The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As I may have mentioned about a thousand times before in my sermons, I grew up on a farm a couple of hours west of here. Picture a farmhouse, a barn, a granary, a summer kitchen, no plumbing, and therefore, yes, an outhouse, an outdoor bathroom, which was admittedly chilly in January. We had enough space between the buildings for a good baseball field, and we had seven kids to play the game. Five boys, two girls. John is the oldest, I am the youngest. Jackie, Dave, Dick, Bruce, and Doug are in between. There were so many blessings. I love being part of a big family, and there were lots of girls my age living on the farms surrounding us. My beloved bachelor farmer uncles were a quarter of a mile away. We had fine school teachers. I had plenty of space to ride my pony. Valborg was the most steadfast and faithful mother ever, and I could go on and on. But there was a major difficulty, my father's alcoholism. He changed when he was drinking and not in a good way. He got sober for two years before he died. Thank God for treatment and AA. I was in college then, and his humor and his kindness came back, which was a healing blessing for all of us. But the early years were challenging, to say the least, with fear and unpredictability and worries for the safety of family members. You get the picture. 
So, John, as I mentioned, is our oldest brother. As little kids, we all looked up to him and wanted to be with him all the time. If he was going somewhere, his little brothers wanted to go with. Maybe it was just driving a few miles to a country store for a bottle of Pepsi. My brother Douglas, if he was feeling flush, would buy a bag of salted peanuts and put them into the bottle of Pepsi before he drank it. Even so, he is now a fine, upstanding man. So, John put on his winter coat one day before I was born, and as my brothers tell the story, they all put their coats on too, excited for an outing, saying, John, can we go with, can we go with? And John said, are you sure you want to go with me? And they said, yes, yes. And John, as always, good older brother that he is, said, okay, let's go. But instead of the fun expected possibilities, like piling them into the car to go to the store, or helping them all into their skis, or making a snow fort with them, well, John just needed to go to the outhouse. And they followed along behind him until they figured out where he was going. It was not the excitement the little boys were hoping for. They still talk about the injustice of that day. Well, John went to college, and we sure did miss him. We waited and waited for him to come home to visit. So on the day he was coming, I was still a young kid, but we had a lot of freedom in those days, I would leave the house, go into the granary, climb up the ladder to the second story, go to the slanted part of the roof line where there was a window, climb out the window and scramble up the roof to the highest point where I could look into the distance far down the road and see John coming at the earliest possible moment. And when I saw his car, I would slide down the roof, go in the window, climb down the ladder and run out to the yard to greet him as he pulled up. Good news. John is home. Now, if you could magically observe the scene, probably nothing would look any different. My father was still drinking. The outhouse was still cold. But at the same time, everything was different, better, more secure, more hopeful, because John was home. In our gospel reading today, we meet another John, John the Baptist. Like prophets centuries before him, he knew someone was coming, someone longed for, someone expected, someone waited for. This John's whole purpose was to point to the one who was coming and encourage people to be ready for him. He basically had one sermon. It was about the need to prepare the way of the Lord by repenting of sins and being cleansed with baptism but it must have been a good one because people flocked to see him. They left town and went out into the wilderness, wilderness to listen to him, to repent, to be baptized, to find something missing, to hope for someone long expected. My friends, here we are once again in the season of Advent. Its color is blue, not like having the blues, although it may be true this year. You know, in March, we thought, they aren't asking us to go to war. They're asking us to sit on our own couch. I think we can buck up and do this for a few weeks. But now it's December, and I've heard that people are planning to stay up until midnight on New Year's Eve 
not so much to welcome 2021 as to make sure 2020 leaves. Still, the blue that is the color of Advent is a symbol of hope. Advent is a season of hope. We know a lot about hoping this year, don't we? We're hoping for the vaccine to arrive and the virus to end and for jobs and businesses to be restored. Students are hoping to go back to school and activities. Parents are hoping for that too. We are hoping for a world where there is racial equality and harmony. We are hoping to have extended family around the table again and freely visit our elders in care centers. We're hoping to go to a restaurant and movies and a football game and a concert. We're hoping to see each other in the pews. It is a different advent from any other I have experienced. I find myself hoping for many things that I took entirely for granted before. But our hope is not only for those good and right things. Our hope is in someone. Our hope is in Jesus, who chose to make a home with us on that first Christmas, and he hasn't changed his mind. He calls us his friends, and he promises, I am with you always to the end of the age. So let's remember that the one we hope for is right here with us. We know that we meet him in Holy Communion, in the silence of prayer, in reading scripture, that he is Emmanuel, God with us in the joys and the trials of our lives. Advent invites us to watch for him, to expect him, in unexpected places too, in small kindnesses and surprise conversations, in Zoom meetings and live streams, in acts of generosity, in the poor and the hungry and the homeless. Someone sent me a pencil drawing this week of a food line, people downcast and hungry. Jesus was in that line with them, and the only light in the dark picture was shining from him. We who love him are called to show up with him in those hurting places and reflect his holy light and be a part of the way that he cares for this world. We love him by loving the world. He is our hope as he stirs up the ruins and brings out new life. Let it be so. Now, you may not have a granary with a slanted roof and a window to climb through to the highest point in order to look far into the distance. But a seeking mind and a yearning heart will do just fine. Let's watch for Jesus, wait for him, and expect him in these troubled times. Because he is our hope, and everything is better, different, more secure, more hopeful, because he has made his home with us. In the name of Jesus, amen. <laughs>